Welcome to Baoism Unveiled, a podcast that explores the diverse tapestry of human spirituality and the wisdom found in Baoism. I'm your host, C.D. Domitio, and today we have a fascinating guest joining us on this exploration. But before we dive into that, let's start with the basics for those who are tuning in for the first time. Baoism is a philosophical framework for creating a personal spirituality, finding commonality with others, and sharing your wisdom, beliefs, teachings, and learnings with others. A Baoji is a teacher who helps you to achieve some spiritual understanding. Now, in Baoism, we also talk about rocks, positive actions that can help you progress on your spiritual path, and talks, the negative actions that might hold you back from becoming the you that you were meant to be. Now, we're about to embark on an enlightening journey and engage in a profound conversation with Lynn Walker. She's a trailblazer, an activist, and one of my original Baoji. Lynn is my aunt. She's my godmother, and she is so much more, and I feel like we're truly blessed to have her here, and I'm truly blessed to have her as my aunt and my godmother, and to have been able to share in the unique perspective that she brings on spirituality, activism, and the boundless possibilities within the universe. Lynn, how are you? I'm just wonderful. Thank you so much for inviting me on to your wonderful new show, Chris. I'm so excited. Really. (laughs) You are so welcome. And you know what? You get to call me Chris because you've known me as Chris since the moment I came out of the hatch. So (laughs) can you share a bit about your background, how you first encountered spirituality? Well, dear, it started long ago uh, when I was very young. I was sincerely seeking God from a very young age. And I remember my minister uh, I went to him at 11 years old and said to him, what does this mean from the Bible? When thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light from Matthew six twenty two, And he looked at me very strangely and he said, I don't know. So I have been on a journey my whole life to finding out the answer to that question. And I have to say that I found it out and I am so happy about that. <laughs> Anyway, I was a child. I went to every church in town. I lived in Monongahela, Pennsylvania, Western Pennsylvania, the city of churches. And I went to every church with all my friends. I went to the uh, Episcopal Church, the Catholic Church, the uh, synagogue on Saturday. I went to the Black Baptist Church. Uh, I was allowed to to explore. My mother was fantastic. Uh, she got a lot of flack for it, but she was. I was allowed to explore and check that out. And guess what? I saw God in everyone, everywhere. It was a, a really beautiful experience as a child. And as I grew up, I was privileged to travel around the world and I got to go to all the great churches of the world, not all of them, but you know, Notre Dame and the Blue Mosque and the temples in Kyoto and just all, all over the world. And it was absolutely a thrilling experience to see the different cultures, the different ways of faith. And I loved them all. I enjoyed them all. I enjoyed the fact that these people had their own way of looking at life and finding God. It was really a thrilling experience for me. I'm just awestruck by all of that. (laughs) So what do you think about Baoism? I love Baoism. I think it's just, it's, uh, it's for the new millennium, truly what you're doing, because the whole goal of life is to be happy. And how do we be happy? We have to find ourselves. Who are we? Why are we here? And where are we going? That is the questions that that I always ask. 
and and you nailed it. I just I just saw something yesterday that said the meaning of life is happiness. Absolutely. I don't know anybody who's sought the meaning of life as much as you have, <laughs> you know, and I know a lot of people. Well, that's nice of you to say. I didn't know I was doing that, but uh, apparently I was. <laughs> I was seeking God. I was seeking truth. I was seeking joy, bliss, happiness. And um, I have to say that when I was about 19, uh, someone gave me the book, The Autobiography of a Yogi from Paramahansa Yogananda. And that absolutely put me on a path that I have been on to this day. And it's just been absolutely thrilling because the the information that he has chosen to give us is just the information we all need today in the 21st century. It's really common sense and beautiful, but it's a path and it's a teaching and uh, there are many out there and they're all good. But this one for me has proven to, uh, he said, uh, you know, when that I be single, thy whole body shall be full of light, which Jesus said, Yogananda said, prove it for yourself. And here's how. So wow. that's what I did. And I have to say that uh, everything that he said would happen has happened. And it's all ancient wisdom. I mean, what Yogananda taught is uh, Kriya Yoga, which is over 5,000 years old. The path of everybody has to learn how to pray or how to meditate to find that deep devotion and that deep well within. And there are many ways to do that. There's not just one way, because if something is the truth, then all religions know it. Those devoted souls in every religion, they know the truth. They might find it a different way. They might call it something differently, but it's all the same because truth is truth, period. End of story. Wow. When people ask you, I mean, they must at some point have asked you, what is your religion or what's your faith? What's your answer to them? Well, that's a very good question because Yogananda's teachings are not a religion because he was Hindu and uh, the Hindus, you know, loved all faiths. They always did. And when uh, you pray in uh, self-realization fellowship temples, the prayer is saints and sages of all, all religions, we bow to you all. And when I heard that, I said, I'm in. <laughs> this is wow. for me because I, I love uh, all saints uh, and I love all people who are trying to find the truth. And I really love to read about them and know about them, just like you do. You've been a seeker for so long, Chris. It's unbelievable. And uh, you and I have had so much fun sharing great books together over the years. And I am just delighted that uh, you're doing this now and reaching out to people in a way that the genius within you is is making it happen. I mean, you've always been a genius, but you have found now an avenue to travel that just really is amazing. And I'm so happy. I'm blushing. For sure. Um, you know, you you gave me the autobiography of a yogi when I was pretty young and I read it. And I think it, it well, I like to say that you're one of my original Baoji and definitely you set me on this path of seeking. I think I was already seeking, but I didn't quite know that I was seeking. And, and you sort of let me know that that's OK. That's a path that people can take. So thank you so much for that. You were born seeking. <laughs> you've been you've been on the path a long time my dear and you know people um in this day and age you know they don't necessarily some of them want to talk about god or they've moved away from their faith and whatnot you know you talk to somebody like gandhi and hundreds of people would come to him and say should we become hindu and he'd say what is your faith and they say they say that i'm jewish or i'm catholic whatever he says no be better at your own faith go deeper wow. go deeper into your own faith 
and find God. That's what we're doing. We're all going deeper. You know, that's what we have to do. We have to go deeper. And however you do that, that's the way to go for you. With um, Yogananda's teachings, he teaches this Kriya Yoga, which helps you to learn breathing techniques to help you center yourself, calm yourself down so that you can distill all the mindless monkey noise in your brain and calm down enough to work on your kundalini to raise the energy up your chakras and open your third eye and find heaven. And that's what it's all about. And it's really fantastic. You know, we, for instance, he wrote the um, the book, The uh, Second Coming of Christ. He did the New Testament translations, and they're absolutely probably the most brilliant thing I've ever read next to his translation of the Bhagavad Gita, which is the most scientific, unbelievable book I've ever read. But he translated also the uh, Rubiat of Omar Khayyam. And he just was such a genius. And uh, well, he was a saint in my mind. Uh, I think that I've been really blessed to have found a way that really worked for me. You know, when you read something, you pick up any great book by Lao Tzu or Confucius or the Pope, whoever. And if the words speak to you, then you're home. Sometimes, you know, you, you can look at something that the words don't speak to you. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. For me, I can open just so many books of, you know, of faith, and I can weave through it and find the pathway to God, where, where they're going, you know, where they're headed. And it's really a beautiful butterfly effect for me because I see the truth in, in all walks of life, which is you know, it just makes me happy. It makes me peaceful. You know, I'm not fighting against anybody or anything for any reason. You know, I have a song that goes through my head frequently, and it's your voice singing it. And it's you and you and your husband, uh, my Uncle Morris. You wrote this song together, and it's called I See Beauty. And it's it's very close to what you just said. I see beauty in all I behold. Every day as I get older, I see unfold. My life flies and yours like a dove adrifting. In the Skyway, high on love. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. The... It's harder not singing. <laughs> uh, I also love Morris was a fantastic wordsmith, and he wrote a lot of very spiritual songs. One of the last songs he wrote was To Take Time, and the ending was uh, Love Every Moment You're Living and Live Every Moment You're Given and Take Time to Take Time. You know, take time to share with friends, take time to listen to other people and hear what they're saying. I think that that is a fantastic lesson in life for all people, if we could just listen more. And, you know, with what's going on in the world right now, it's just horrific and people are not listening to one another. And that's what really needs to happen. It really does. Um, we need to find peace. And that's the first thing that happens for me in meditation is when you first start meditating, all of a sudden peace is the first thing that comes over you, a deep peace. And that calms you down and centers you and enables you to go through your day without getting agitated over the little things in life that bug people no end and ruin their lives. They get agitated and irritated about nothing. Of course, you know, there are big things to worry about, that's for sure. And I'm, I'm involved in, um, you know, the peace movement here in our community. Yogananda, when he came to America in 1920, he was invited to speak at the Parliament of All Religions in Boston. And this summer, I went to Chicago for the Par Parliament of World Religions, and there were 7,500 people there from all over the world, 45 countries, 250 faiths, 
There were Native Americans, there were Catholics from Germany, there were, you know, Sikhs, there were Buddhists, there were Tibetan Buddhists, there were all kinds of faith there. And for one whole week, we got along so well. It was so beautiful, so uplifting. It was really, it's something I've wanted to do for many years, and I finally got to do it. And it was just one of the most joyful things I've ever done, is seeing all of us getting along, rejoicing together, celebrating together, loving one another in a peaceful way. It was just, uh, it it was very stimulating. (laughs) It sounds amazing. I mean, that's one of the things that with Taoism, I feel like there's so many people in my generation and the generations that are after mine that don't resonate with a with a religion, but I want them to be able to find commonality and to find these these kernels of truth. And so when you talk about something like that, like so many spiritual seekers and people who have spent their lives dedicated to finding a way, coming together and sharing that with each other, that's that's a beautiful thing, Lynn. It was I'm just so happy that that happened <laughs> and you got to go. Me too. Uh, and it's going to live with me for a very long time. It happens every three years in different parts of the world. And it's called Parliament of World Religions. People can look it up online and check it out if they're interested. And it's really, uh, there was like 30 events a day. There was a film festival. There were so many amazing people there. There was a, a guy there that had all of these broken up um, metal objects on the table and he had a like a a flame you know i don't know what you call that a soldering flame and he was soldering and i went over to his table and i said what are you doing and he said i've taken these guns and i've broken them up and i'm soldering them into gardening tools Wow! (laughs) and so he spoke in front of the whole group and he said this gun is born again I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was. <laughs> Do you know that ties really well into a quote that you sent me this morning in Taoism and and just in my personal philosophy in life. I feel like creativity has such a huge place. I've always felt that creativity is the bridge between the profane and the spiritual essentially. And when I say profane, I mean the world that we're in every day and the spiritual world, like creativity sort of bridges that gap. And this morning, just sort of out of the blue, you sent me this amazing quote from Paramahansa Yogananda. And I'm just going to read it because it so taps into that and like what the man did with the gun. Yeah. Great things happen first in the mind. Right. I keep mine working all the time and put his creative thoughts into action. The moment I see an opportunity, the results will come later. Every day you should try to do something creative, upgrade your destiny Take your health and your moral life or your spiritual life one thing at a time and change it as you wish. Improve your destiny. That's such a beautiful quote, Lynn. I've, I've never seen that one before. I'd really love it. Oh, I'm so glad. We uh, have centers, you know, all over the world, uh, meditation centers. And um, I have, uh, I did the service yesterday at our center. We have a little little meditation center here. And it's really lovely with some just divine souls. The uh, subject of the reading yesterday was three kinds of heaven. I mean, I wish I could read the whole thing to you because it just was a mind blower. (laughs) Three kinds of heaven and um, how we can have heaven here. And, and that's where we're going and, you know, all of that. And it's just, you know, people say, well, I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in God. Well, that's fine, but you'll find out later i mean whether there is or not we all will but from all (laughs) all the accounts and all the people that have you know passed away and come back 
they all say the same thing. And basically, what uh, Yogananda says is that when we do pass away, the uh, energy leaves the base of our spine, our soul, and travels up the spine and out through the top of our head. So it goes through the tunnel, and that's the tunnel, and then we see the light. That's what, all, that's what they all say, that they traveled through the tunnel, and then they saw the light, and then they were, they were home. So Because life never ends. I mean, we're never, ever, ever ever going to end. And that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, that energy never dies. Well, that's kind of a, oh, gee, (laughs) Ah, something to think about. But uh, there are some things in this world that we're not supposed to, you know, think about too deeply. But, uh, you know, between this world and the next world, that's that's the only two I'm working on right now. But I believe in reincarnation and I believe we've been here many times. And I think that's all, you know, semantics. It's all a matter of interpretation. We've lived many lives. And why not? I mean, do you think that God, in my opinion, would let us either burn in hell or live in heaven playing harps for eternity? Doesn't that sound boring? I mean, isn't it more interesting (laughs) that we would have new lives, new adventures, new things? I mean, that to me is heaven, you know, it's coming back and trying to perfect ourselves and get better at this thing called life. I mean, look how blessed we are. Look, look Look at our lives. I mean, we are so, so blessed. Sure, there's problems. There's, there's challenges, there's suffering, there's a lot of heavy things that are going on. But there's the other side of the coin, too. It's absolutely the most incredible experience that we could ever imagine, ever. And how can we say that someone didn't create this? We didn't. We can't create a seed. We can't create anything. We can't create a flower. You know, somebody did that. Some great entity created this magic that we're existing in, in my opinion. So... In, in my opinion, too. We're, we're agreed on that. Okay, so so I want to get to these questions. I ask oh, sure. these questions of everyone. Okay. And I, actually, I just want to keep talking with you. But I'm going to ask you these questions and just sort of to guide the conversation. Thank you. We talked about Yogananda uh, as one of your Baoji. Who are some of your other personal Baoji whose teachings have particularly resonated with you or significantly impacted your life? Where do I begin? Well, of course, Jesus you know, I really, uh, his teachings are, you know, rather impeccable if people would only interpret them correctly. And I loved Lao Tzu. He was one of my favorites. And um, I loved, always loved Omar Khayyam. And then when Yogananda translated the Rubyet of Omar Khayyam, that really blew my mind. And it's m- much better than I ever dreamed because Fitzgerald, who translated it, uh, misinterpreted Omar Khayyam and said that he was a an alcoholic womanizer. <laughs> In actuality, <laughs> he was a Sufi master. You know, big change there. I've read a lot of books, all from so many faiths and whatnot. But those are those are three of my favorites. I just keep reading all of Yogananda's works. He wrote about twenty books, and they're just amazing because he quotes all the great saints and sages from all over the world. Tagore from India, I love his work. He won the Nobel Prize years ago, Rabindranath Tagore. He's a fantastic saint. I'd have to really go in and think about that more because I've read so many different books, but all of them pointed the way for me to find my way. It's all about devotion, sincerity, truth, love, it's those key elements that we need to wrap our minds around every day to keep us going. And all great sages, sages and saints, they all, they all said the same way. They all, they all pointed 
in the right direction. So Yogananda, he'd already passed by the time that you found Autobiography of a Yogi, or it found you? Yes, he, he did lecture in Pittsburgh in 1948, the year I was born. And so he was alive then, but he passed in 1952. And his body was put in forest lawn for, uh, I don't know, 30 or 40 days. And the forest lawn wrote a declaration that his body did not disintegrate in any way in that time. So that was like a little small miracle that he left with us to say that uh, there is no death. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, he uh, he lectured all over the world, thousands and thousands of people. And then he decided he just wanted to get with a small band of devotees and work with them. And so that's what he did. And uh, then his work work spread. His his mission given to him by Babaji of India was to come to America and show the unique truth between Christianity and Hinduism, which he did. It's beautiful. Truth is one. You know, in all of your travels and the meetings that you've had with so many different people, have you ever encountered a living saint? I mean, I know that's kind of a weird question. Yes. 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 Can you talk about that? Several. All of uh, the direct disciples of Yogananda, a couple of them are still alive now, but I've been with them for 50 years. So Diamata was a living, living saint. She was the president of Self-Realization Fellowship after he passed for 50 years. And I met her. She was absolutely, totally divine. Her works, her writings are incredible. And you can, people could see her on YouTube. There's all kinds of incredible videos by the monks and nuns on uh, the Self-Realization Fellowship website on YouTube. Also, there's another brother. He was our counselor. His name was Brother Anandamoy. And he came to America from Switzerland to work with Frank Lloyd Wright and he was kind of a genius. And he saw that Frank Lloyd Wright was a very, very unhappy man. And in the meantime, he read Yogananda's books and he became a monk with SRF. And he counseled Morris and I. Absolute saint. Absolutely. Incredible man. So those are two really great souls that I had the privilege of getting to know. And I feel really blessed. I really do because their, uh, their wisdom and their kindness and their love unprecedented, in my opinion. So that was great for me. And I feel like, you know, there's, I, I'd love to meet all the saints that are uh, that are on the earth now. You know, I'm sure Mother Teresa was a saint. There's just so many of them out there that we and most of them, most of them are not well known, for sure. They are not well known. They're they're doing their thing hidden away from the world. You always dispute this when I say it, but I've always believed that you're a bodhisattva, that you're one of those enlightened souls that chose to stay so that you could help others to find the way. I've just always believed that, Lynn. You are so kind. Honestly, you are. so. You know, if that were the truth, I would just be on cloud nine. I tell you, that's just the sweetest thing anybody's ever said to me. Thank you. But I, I don't believe it's true. The only thing that I believe is true is that I'm very happy. You know, I am happy. And so, and I'm very grateful for that in spite of everything, you know, that I'm happy and that I love to uh, share what I know with others and uh, enjoy life. And it's just, uh, it's just a blissful experience. What can I say? Well, let's dive, let's dive into that. What are some of the rocks that you've found in your life that could help other people to maybe get closer to that? Some of the, the positive spiritual experiences or things that lead to spiritual experiences. I started out kind of slow, learning how to meditate. And, you know, being a kind of a gregarious 
obnoxious soul, it was really hard for me to settle down, sit down and go within because that's where the big battle is, is within us. I've been meditating now for a long, long time. And it's, you know, meditation takes you deeper than prayer because you just totally learn to distill the mind and center yourself. And it's unbelievable what happens. And so I meditate some times, you know, our group, we meditate for eight hours in a day. And uh, sometimes I meditate, you know, two or three hours at night. And people say, well, gee, you know, why? Uh, well, try it and you'll find out. It's because you feel so blissful that you don't want to do anything else. I mean, it really is uplifting. And the only way to know is to try it. But you have to learn. You have to have some techniques to do that. And uh, self-realization has techniques that are great. You can order them. There, it takes a year to learn the whole series of, of lessons, but it's breathing techniques and whatnot. And they're fantastic. You know, they, they have techniques in Buddhism. They have techniques in many other, many other uh, faiths. But to me, this was the greatest one that I ever discovered. And I tried a few before I found this. That bliss is indescribable. It's totally indescribable. And it makes you so happy. That's all I can say. Uh, you know, he who knows doesn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> he who talks doesn't know. <laughs> so they say. That's, that's, uh, that's a little Lao Tzu. <laughs> Lynn, any day-to-day stuff that people can do as far as rocks that might help besides meditation? You know, definitely uh, a great diet, you know, eating well and uh, exercising, you know, all of those things, plus serving. Learning that serving is why we're here. We're here to serve our fellow man in one way or another. Whatever whatever you, you're called to do, that will make you very, very fulfilled in life because it's not all about us. Service is a very, very, very big part of what makes me happy. And it's a big part of what makes somebody totally content in life because it's it, focus, it takes all the energy away from them and they put it on other people. To me, that's a really big deal, service. Meditation, uh, it has to be done consistently to get any result. You can't just sit down for five minutes and think, okay, uh, no, it's it's consistent. We do it, we meditate usually twice a day for at least half an hour in the morning and half an hour at night. And, you know, we spend how many hours a day working on the computer, whatever we do, if we can't give an hour back to God, what are we worth? You know, thanking, being appreciative, silence, being silent and saying, thank you, God. And just asking for, you know, for sincere help in moving forward, evolving. Wow. You're going to always say that um, prayer is begging to God and meditation is letting God talk to you. Wow. I love that. Yeah. Me too. Okay. So let's talk about the talks. What are some talks that people can avoid to keep themselves maybe on the path or to make their lives a little bit better and happier? You know, it's really hard, but trying just trying to stop being selfish, you know, um, sharing what you have in life, sharing it with everyone, whatever that is. To me, that's, uh, you know, there, there are so many people that are lost, afraid in hospitals, in prisons, wherever, wherever you can reach out and help other people, wherever you're called, go there. You will never regret it. And, you know, listening to the birds, taking care of little babies. I mean, <laughs> putting yourself in positions where, you know, it makes you smile. Going into nature, spending time in silence, doesn't it? You don't have to be meditating, but going into nature and being silent, at least if you can, once a week, 
definitely once a month. If you live in the city, get out of the city and get into the country and breathe the deep air. You know, hold on to a tree. I mean, get back to nature because nature is a real entity and we really need nature. We really do. And as we know, we are in an environmental situation right now. We really need to go back to nature and appreciate what she has given us. I love that. Uh, the symphony of the birds always speaks to me too. I find that to be such such a such an important place to go from time to time, just listening to birds. Absolutely. The last question I have for you today is what do you think a universal religion or faith might look like? You're a unique person to ask that question to, so I wanted to make sure to leave some time for that. Oh, gee, that's such a great, great question. The universality of all religions. I mean, I would never say that we want one religion, because I don't. I like everybody having their own religion, but everybody needs to find the pathway to find God. And in many religions, it seems so superficial, so surface level. And everybody, in my opinion, needs to, number one, find out what devotion is and go there. Be devoted to yourself, to your God, to your family. Devotion is very important. Meditation, to me, is key for a universal growth. And I'm not saying everybody should do what I do, but everybody definitely, I think we all need to learn how to go within, be quiet, and find God. It's got to become more than just a superficial Sunday morning thing. It's got to be a much, much deeper experience every day. Every day we have to feel the love of God and go there through prayer, meditation, yoga, whatever calls you. And I really believe that that is critical for our survival on planet Earth. You know, people say, well, you know, we've got to have peace, whatever. You can only have peace if you have peace within. How do you find peace within? Go within. Go within and find that peace and forgive yourself for anything that you might have done in your life. Get over that. Yesterday doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is right now and going within, finding your peace and giving that to others. Lynn, you are such an important Baoji, not just to me, but I think to many others too. And as we conclude this episode of Baoism Unveiled, I want to extend heartfelt gratitude to my aunt, my godmother, which is such an appropriate term for coming here, <laughs> gracing us with your wisdom, your activism, your universal perspectives. I mean, your journey through the cosmic dance has just left us with this. There's so many profound insights in this interview. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, dear, uh, for inviting me on. It has been a joy and I just love you. And I love all of the people that are now Baoists. And I want to meet all of them. <laughs> <laughs> You've been meeting them your whole life because I think we're all Baoists when it comes down to it. You're great at this. This is your cup of tea. I'm really, really proud of you. <laughs> well, on that very happy, positive note, this concludes another episode of Baoism Unveiled. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And remember, whether you're a Baoist or simply curious about the diverse world of spirituality, the journey continues. Until next time, embrace wisdom. Find your rocks, get rid of that tox, live in harmony, and be happy. God bless you.